Thank you, Scotty. With all that said, I'll let you know I'm preaching on lying. Um, <laughs> it is a joy for me to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. And uh, I want to hand out some awards this morning, if I could, if that's all right with you. First of all, I just want to tell you what a great youth group you've got. Um, I had a couple, a couple, three weeks ago, I had the opportunity to come and, and talk to those guys and girls and had a blast. They were pretty awesome. And uh, so I want to pen a rose on them this morning and tell them how good they are. And uh, along with that youth pastor y'all got, he's pretty awesome too. Uh, I must be honest with you, uh, as associational mission strategist, one of my goals is to help all the churches in the area kind of get on solid footing and all that kind of stuff. But one of my other duties is to help single ministers get married. So... Um, <laughs> We, we might call this job security, right? Uh, anyway, uh, I want to pin a rose on, on Aaron because he has become an awesome friend to me and I just love seeing him coming and so we can sit down and talk together a little bit. Now, I want to tell you, uh, you got a great staff too, by the way, and I don't want to miss anybody. You got Tommy and you got Jerry and you got Aaron and you got Scotty. Is there anybody else ministerial staff here? Brian? This one? I was going to say, brother, I got something coming for you in just a minute. Is that all? Is that all? You know, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. Now, I don't know if you've appreciated your pastors, but I think we need to give them a round of applause. Would you join me in that? Because they are awesome. They are awesome. So let me tell you the music. The music around here is wonderful, too. I love your music. I love coming in and singing with you guys and praising and worshiping and all that. So thank you, Tommy, for all you do to make that happen. But now the, the top award today, the number one award for everybody, all these awards we're giving out today, goes to none other than Brian Sosinski. Because I'm going to tell you what. Huh? No, I'm not lying. I'm preaching online. But no, no. Here, here's the reason he gets the award today. I don't know if y'all noticed this. He's the only man in this entire congregation that was willing to stand on this platform with 13 women singing around him. <laughs> now, I noticed that, Brian. And I also heard that beautiful tenor voice floating across the air, too. So way to go. He, he's the main man today. Now, when I told Scotty that I would preach for him today, I didn't realize that the Grand Poobah himself was going to be here. I thought he was going to be on vacation. So when I got here and saw Scotty out in the yard, I changed my message. And uh, <laughs> not really, not really. I want to talk to you today about something that we're going to call a case for Christ. Now, Tommy, I need to apologize to you. I have changed that since we talked earlier in the week. And um, it's dangerous to tell somebody what you're going to preach on because at the last minute, God may change your mind. And see, I've had my mind changed sometimes three or four o'clock in the morning before I walked into the pulpit and just a few hours later. But that kind of happened this weekend. It's because of some things that have been going on in, in my life and in my ministry and in what God has allowed us uh, to do over there in, in Blairsville, Georgia, as far as the counseling ministry. Now, you know, one thing we want to do, we're different from other counselors in that we are Christian counselors, biblical counselors. And what we do is take the Word of God and apply it to our everyday life situations. So where you might go to a secular counselor, 
uh, about something, they're going to give you completely different information than I give you because I believe with everything within me that the answer is always Jesus. Amen. Always. Somebody asked me one time when I was preparing for ministry when I was in school, they said, what kind of counseling are you going to specialize in? And I said, well, all of it. They say, what do you mean? Well, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm really not trying to be arrogant. But the answer is always the same. And it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It boils down to that one thing. And so I've run into all kinds of things there in the office that don't necessarily... uh, Here's a good theological word for you. They don't necessarily jihaw with that. All right. So so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about salvation today. I hope and pray that everybody in these four walls is saved, but I cannot guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that God's here with us. And so we're going to spend a few minutes and we're going to look at the scripture and see what it says about that. Now, with that being the case, I want to tell you about my own personal experience, if I may, for just a moment. Now, I was um, I was raised in the church. Um, I was raised more than a lot of people. I'm a lot larger, taller, wider. That song, Deep and Wide, they wrote it about me, by the way. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, when I was taken to church, it was the cradle roll, right? The, the babies, the nursery. And I grew up there, and I went through Sunday school and all that kind of stuff. And every Sunday, without fail, I ended up in a Sunday school class with a teacher by the name of Leon Underwood. Now, Leon Underwood was about this tall, he was, he, must, he was 80 years old if he was a day, but his hair was jet black. And he taught seventh grade Sunday school boys in, in Sunday school. And every Sunday, without fail, he would introduce the plan of salvation to us. So, you know, I sat there time after time after time after time and heard the plan of salvation through Mr. Leon Underwood. What a blessing he was. But then, one uh, Sunday night, I was 13 years old. My brother had walked the aisle and received Christ before I did. And he was younger than me. Now, I don't know what, if you realize what kind of pressure that puts on an older sibling, but it does. And so here I was, three years older than him. He had already accepted Christ. And this particular night came, and it was Mother's Day night. I'll never forget it. So if it was thir- I was 13, it was 1970. On Mother's Day 1970, my dad looked at me. We went to church that night, and what they had done was they had a a children's choir singing since it was Mother's Day, you know, special. No sermons, no nothing like that. But my dad looked at me, and he said, are you ready? And I said, yes. But I thought he was asking me if I was ready to leave, to go. Because after church every Sunday night, we always went to the Dairy Queen. And so when he said, are you ready? I said, yes. And he headed out of the aisle, and instead of going to the back door towards Dairy Queen, he came front. I said, wait a minute. But I followed him, and when I got down to the front, the pastor asked me, would you like to join our church? And I said, sure. Well, here, fill out this card. And I filled out a card, and I joined the church, And I was under the impression that that was my salvation experience. But it wasn't. I joined a church. And that's all I did. It's almost like you can join the the Happy Meal Club at at McDonald's, right? Same kind of thing. Won't get you anywhere. And so in my 20s, 
God began to work in my life in a major kind of way. He, I mean, the Holy Spirit really began to stir in me and say, Al, you need to examine this. And so I wasn't sure. And so one day I walked down an aisle. I was on staff at a church. I was, I'll say that again. I was on staff at a church when I walked down the aisle, and it was really, I'm thinking, my salvation experience. Now, I was baptized and all that stuff, but once again, I was just acknowledging the fact that God had worked in my life. So the truth is, God brought to my remembrance the day that I sat in Mr. Leon Underwood's Sunday school class and prayed to receive Christ. There was not a hoopla. There was not a lot of stars and stripes forever. There were not bands and bells and things going off, but that's when I accepted Christ was when I was 13 years old and I had to kind of somehow put all that together. Now, we have people sitting in our churches all over Union County that have no idea whether or not they are saved. They may have joined a church. They may have walked an aisle, but they may have not been saved. And so that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. Well, how do you know that, Al? Well, let me tell you how I know that. Just about maybe five or six weeks ago, I had a lady sitting in my office, and she had brought her... Uh, she had brought her daughter in because there were some addiction issues, okay? So we're dealing with those addiction issues as we would biblically talk about those things. And so I, I pulled out this book that was called Life's Healing Choices. And what it is, is it's a book that's based on Celebrate Recovery. It's the eight principles of Celebrate Recovery. Now, Celebrate Recovery is a 12-step process, but the eight principles that are the foundation of Celebrate Recovery are the Beatitudes, now, with that being said, I pulled out the book, and I have some videos that I was using with her and all that, and the mom looked at me because the daughter didn't make it this particular day, and she said, Al, I want you to know something. That's never going to work with her. And I said, why not? She said, because she's not doing good things. She's doing bad things. I said, wait a minute. So doing good things gets you saved. Is that what you're telling me? She said, of course. Now, this was mom. And then I began to see what the problem really was. And as I talked to her, she said, I said, well, tell me about your salvation. What if you died today? Where would you go? She said, I'd go to heaven. I said, how do you know that? She said, because I'm a good person. And I said, oh, wait a minute. You are a good person. You really are a wonderful person. But you know what? You're a sinful good person. Let's talk about that for just a minute. And I began to talk to her about the plan of salvation. Now, with that being said, she could not understand somehow that God wanted her to be saved. So we spent some time together in talking about that. So I want to talk to you about that for just a minute. Let me ask you this question, first of all. How good are you? Don't answer it to me out loud. How good are you? Answer that in your mind. Answer that with Christ. Where do you stand in your relationship with God. Now, let me tell you something. First of all, just in case you thought you were an excellent person, a wonderful person, I want to tell you this, that you're not. The Bible says that my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Thank you, sir. It also says that, listen to this, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, who is that? That's all of us. You know what? I'm really grateful for little things. I tell people this all the time. Today, let's just pretend we're on Sesame Street. I am really, really happy about little things, and one of them is the letter L. 
What do you mean the letter L? Because if the letter L were not in that verse, it would have said, for Al has sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Al, you know, misery loves company, right? So it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So today's letter is the letter L. Praise God. All right. Now, not only that, but it says in Romans 3.10 that none is righteous. How many? None. No, not one. That means not you. That means not me. That means none of us. Isaiah 64.6 says this. But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. In other words, what I said to that lady that day when she said, because I'm a good person, I said, wait a minute. The scripture says that the very best that you can do, you know, I've done some pretty good things. I, I'm, I'm a good guy. I love to sing. I don't know that I'm, I'm now a Medicare recipient. I'm 65 years old and I don't sing like I used to. I was singing the day I got my Medicare, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, um, so I do a lot of things well. I write well. I'm right now doing some voiceovers. I love to record, and I enjoy that. That's just fun to me. I used to be a DJ, and that was fun to me, and uh, all that kind of good stuff. So I do those things well, but guess what? The very best thing that I can do, if it's shined up and polished and, and, in my opinion, perfect, when I set it in front of the Lord, you know what it is? Filthy rags. Now, you know what that scripture is actually talking about? It's talking about, in the Old Testament, it's referring to menstrual rags. That's the very best that I can do. All right, now, what else does it say? In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9... It says that by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. You see, here's the deal. If our salvation were based on our works, then your works may be better than my works. And so when we get to the throne of God and we start weighing out those works, wait a minute. I'm going to boast in mine because mine are better than yours. No, that's not what it's about at all. It's by grace that you say you've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not works, lest any man should boast. Now, do you think that God wants you to be saved? Absolutely. I think he does. I think he is pursuing you like crazy. And I think most of us run because that's our typical response to something like that. Well, let me show you this. Matthew 11 says this, 28 to 30, come to me. I love this verse. I base a lot of counseling on this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Anybody in here besides me need rest? One of these days I'm going to preach on a Sabbath rest. A Sabbath rest is an awesome thing. I'm not talking about the seventh day rest. I'm talking about the fact that we get to a point that we are so content and comfortable and, and secure in our relationship with the Lord that we can rest emotionally, spiritually, and everything that goes with it. There's something to be said for that, and you can tell who has a Sabbath rest and who does not. So Matthew 11 said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Listen to this. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
You know, there was a time, I, re I remember, Brian, you may have had to go through this sometime. My dad was quite the disciplinarian. Now, I can tell you, he never, ever, not even one time, told me he loved me. He hugged me once, and that was when I was ordained as a pastor. But the one thing I do remember about my dad is when I did something wrong. He would walk into the room, his face was red as fire, and he had this belt that was about as wide as the last little section of my finger. And you know what it sounded like when it came out of the loops? And boy, if I heard that coming, I had better look out. Because he would double that belt up and he would lay it across my legs. Now, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> That's not an easy yoke. That's not a light burden. And I decided somewhere along the way that I was not going to allow my image of my heavenly father to be formed by my earthly father. Now, did my father love me? I think he probably did. But he had six of us to love. I tell people all the time, just, just so I can throw this in there, I, I'm a firstborn and a middle child. Can y'all figure that out? It's, that's why I'm confused. I'm a firstborn son, but I'm the fourth of six. So I don't know if I'm coming or going. I'm a firstborn out of middle child. But anyway, he had six of us to love. And so he, I think he, maybe he did his best. He had never been loved on like that either. So anyway, our Lord, our heavenly father wants us to be saved. He wants to have a relationship with us, right? Would you agree? Amen. All right. So then that's our call to commitment. But you know what? Why is it so stinking difficult to talk to somebody about having a relationship with Christ. It's because there are certain barriers to that commitment. Now, it is not unusual for somebody to come in and sit down in my office and say, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. Or, I don't believe that stuff. I got that last week. I don't believe that stuff because most everybody, unless I know that I know that I know that I know that they're a Christian, they get to sit through the plan of salvation. I'm going to share that with them. And there have been multiple people saved in our office, uh, but there are those who has, are as hard-headed as Aaron. <coughs> Just check and make sure you're awake. All right, so, so they're as hard-headed as that floor maybe, okay? Now, what do we do? We talk about the following things. What is it that is holding you back? It seems to me that it would be a no-brainer a no-brainer that we should accept Christ. So, the first thing that holds us back is this. Listen to this now. Pride. When you're my size, you don't bend over while you got the microphone on. It pops off. It's called Dunlap disease. <laughs> All right. The first thing is this. Pride. Pride, that holds us back. What do you mean that holds us back? Well, let me share this with you. What does the Bible say about pride? Jot these scriptures down. We're fixing to go through a lot of them, so don't worry about turning to them, but jot them down so you can look them up later, okay? Proverbs 18, 12 says this. Before destruction, the heart of a person is proud. Or you could say it like this. I think the King James Version says pride goes before a fall. If you want to destroy yourself, if you want to see what it looks like for you to be in control and everything fall apart, go ahead and have that pride. Go ahead and wear it out there as a badge of honor. 
Listen to what Proverbs 10 says. The wise man is glad to be instructed, but a self-sufficient fool, in parenthesis, pride, falls flat on his face. You run across somebody that's, that's proud and they want to get in your face about it. Oh, you don't have to say a word. All you have to do is sit back and watch. Because that proud man is going to fall on his face. Mark my word. So, I'm too proud to become a Christian, Al. I'm so proud that I have such everything that it takes, and I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to do it with my works. I'm going to be a good person. And then one day, you know what Matthew 7, 21 says? It says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is the will of the Father? The will of the Father is that we get saved. We're not going to get there based on our works. So pride is a major, major issue for us. What about this one? This is a big one right here. Guilt. We cannot seem to get above and beyond that issue of guilt in our lives. Now, I want to share something with you that I share with a lot of counseling clients. Again, first of all, this. There are two kinds of guilt. Many of you have heard me say this. Two kinds of guilt. What kind of guilt is there? The first kind of guilt is the unhealthy guilt, and that comes from Satan, and that's condemnation. The second kind of guilt is a healthy guilt, and that's conviction, and that comes from Holy Spirit. So we struggle back and forth and back and forth between those two kinds of guilt. Now, when we're going to be saved, I hope that what you're experiencing is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because what you do with that kind of guilt is you accept it, you acknowledge it, there's a sin in my life, you ask forgiveness for it, you repent of it. And you know what the word repent means? That's a military term. That means you turn around and go the other direction. If, if we're all marching this way and the, and the drill sergeant shouts out, to the rear march, he might as well say, repent, because you turn around and go the other direction. That's what repentance is. So we get forgiveness and we repent of our sin and Jesus moves into our hearts and our lives as our Lord and Savior. But there's also condemnation. Now, what does condemnation say? Condemnation is going to tell us that we are, even when we're in Christ, that we're terrible people. And we, we are in our flesh, but in the, in the spirit of things, having Christ in our heart and in our life, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, let me tell you that in just a minute, but Romans chapter 7 says this, the things that I do are the things that I don't want to do, and the things that I don't want to do are the very things that I do, a wretched man that I am. Anybody stand there with me in that? Me too. But chapter 8, verse 1 then says, Therefore, now Scotty, I learned a long time ago, the, the way to treat this as a theological, theological treatise is to say, what is the therefore, therefore? Actually, that's how he would common sense. What is the therefore, therefore? The therefore is there because if I've done all these things that I don't want to do, and I didn't do the right things, and I did the opposite things, then chapter 8, verse 1 says, therefore, because of all that, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that the truth? Praise the Lord. There is no condemnation. So when somebody comes into my office or sits down and talks to me over a dinner table or whatever, and they want to talk about how condemned they are, my first question is, do you know Jesus? Well, yeah, I know Jesus. Well, if you know Jesus, you're not condemned. You might be under conviction, 
maybe to get something right, but you're not condemned. Very, very hard for people to understand that. But listen to Psalm chapter 32 and verse 5, and it says this, I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. Anybody guilty? <laughs> I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord, and you forgave me. Listen to the last part of this verse. All my guilt is gone. Praise the Lord. My guilt is gone. Anybody in here today feeling guilty? I'm not looking. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Discern between conviction and condemnation and see what it is where the Holy Spirit's working in your life, okay? The next barrier to us accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior is fear. Now, I could talk about fear all day long. You know why? Because I'm an expert. I'm an expert at fear. Well, maybe not. Let's just say I'm good at fear, because you know what an expert is, right? Yeah. An ex is a has-been spurts to drip under pressure. So I'm not an expert. You'll get that on the way home. Um, I'll tell you like my little four-year-old told us. She was saying all kind of weird things yesterday, and then she'd look at us and she'd say, Joke! You'll get it. Joke. You'll get it on the way home. Um, fear. What is fear about? Sometimes we are afraid to trust God. Anybody here afraid to trust God? Don't raise your hand. Listen to this little story. There was a guy who fell off a cliff. Halfway down, he grabs a branch and he's hanging on for dear life. He can see 500 feet down. And he can see 500 feet up. All of a sudden he cried out, Somebody help! All of a sudden he heard the voice of God. This is the Lord, trust me. Let go and I'll catch you. Anybody else up there? We don't want to do what it is that God tells us to do. Right? God tells us, just trust me. Just trust me. Have faith in me. And that's all we have to do. It's just that simple. But we're afraid to trust God. You know why? Because he may tell us to do something that we don't want to do. He may tell us to do something that's very foreign to us. We've never been taught that before. I'm not comfortable with that. We go on and on and on. All of a sudden, we begin to not trust God. Okay? The other thing is that sometimes we are afraid of losing control. Losing control? Oh, yeah. Let me ask you today. Who is it that controls you? The truth of the matter even though you're saying, oh, nobody controls me. The truth of the matter is this. You are controlled by somebody or something. Every single one of us. You see, you may be controlled by the way your parents raised you. Agreed? You may be controlled by the opinions of other people. Agreed? You may be controlled by your job, your boss, your children, your parents, whatever it may be, you're controlled by somebody. You see, when we get saved, the real question is this, 
We are choosing who it is that controls us. And my prayer is that you would choose to allow God to control you. As opposed to Satan. As opposed to opinions. As opposed to people in their flesh. As opposed to people who are out for their own benefit. And we could go on and on. But you're controlled by somebody. So, true lasting freedom is choosing who controls you when you give the care and control of your life to Christ, he sets you free. How could it be? He sets you free. Do you want real freedom? Trust Jesus. That is so hard for us to understand and to get a grip on. Now, I love this one. (laughs) I'll tell you why. Sometimes we're afraid of becoming a religious fanatic. I'll never forget, not, well, it's maybe when we first started here with the counseling ministry. And I have people do this all the time. Uh, But this one guy, he walked in, he said, I just want you to know right now, I am not religious. (laughs) I said, praise God, I'm not either. (laughs) I hate religious people. Oh, that wasn't good. I don't like religious people. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You came to a Christian counseling office and you don't think we're going to talk about God. That's kind of what he was saying. But, but he was saying, I need, you know, I don't dot my I's and cross my T's. I'm not going to live by anybody's set of rules. I'm not going to do this, not going to do that, not going to do the other. But I told him, you know, religion killed Jesus. It was a bunch of religious men called Pharisees that nailed him to the cross. I am not about religion. I'm about relationship. Well, what's the difference? When you have religion, you worry. When you have religion, you play an approval game. When you have religion, you dot your I's and cross your T's and worry about all that stuff. When you have religion, you don't understand grace. When you have religion, you don't understand mercy. But if you have a relationship, you will understand all those things. What do you mean? When we accept Christ, he actually brings sanity where there was insanity. Praise God. What are you talking about? Well, there's a Bible story that talks about it. It's in Mark chapter 5. Just listen for a moment. Verses 3 and 4. It's a story about a man that was filled with demons. And it says this. This man lived among the gravestones and had such strength whenever he was put into handcuffs and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the handcuffs from his wrist and smashed the shackles and walked away. No one was strong enough to control him. All day long and through the night, he would wander among the tombs and in the wild hills, screaming and cutting himself with sharp pieces of stone. The herdsmen fled to the nearby towns. Now, this is after the fact, after what happened when Jesus threw those demons out. This is verse 14, picks up there. The herdsmen fled to the nearby towns and countryside, spreading the news as they ran. What news? Listen, everyone rushed out to see for themselves, and a large crowd soon gathered where Jesus was. But as they saw the man sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane. See, that's what happens when Jesus gets a hold of your life. Where you once were religious, you now have relationship. Where you once were insane, you now are sane. When you once were unwise, you now are wise. And I could go on and on and on. Where once you were lost, now you're found. Where once you were in danger of hell, now you're looking forward to heaven. There's a difference. And it all comes as a result of 
our relationship with Christ. So let me ask you this question. What is it that you are afraid of giving up? What are you holding on to so tight that you think, I cannot let go of that? Now, I'm going to tell you, lots of times it's substances. It could be alcohol, it could be drugs. Lots of times it's position. Well, if, I, if, if I'm going to be the president of this particular organization, I can't profess Christ. Well, that's not true. I can tell you that. What is it that you're afraid to give up? Maybe it's being honest. Let me tell you something that happened to me one time. It was my first ministry. I was a, uh, I graduated from Mercer University in Macon back when they were a Christian school. Um, and my first position in ministry was at Thomaston Road Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia. I was a youth minister. And um, no, this, so this was my second, second position in ministry. My second position was at Marie Baptist Church in Dublin, Georgia. Now, they, you think y'all have an accent up here. You know what they call Marie Baptist Church if, if they were there for a long time and were homegrown and all that kind of stuff? They called it Mary. Mary. I had somebody come in my office last week and say, I need to tell you in something. I said, what? I need to tell you in, you in something. Okay. Well, they talked about Mary. All right. Anyway, the pastor was there. I had nothing to do with the sermon. The pastor was there, and he uh, invited his father, who was a pastor, in to preach revival. Well, his dad got up. He preached his heart out that Sunday night. And you know what? When they gave the invitation, you know who got saved? The pastor. My chin hit the ground. Now, Scotty, this is not pointing towards you. I want you to know that, okay? My chin hit the ground. Are you serious? This, this man that has stood in the pulpit Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and preached the gospel, preached the scripture like I've never heard it before, found out that um, he was um, copying um, Adrian Rogers' sermons. Aaron. Amazingly enough, he's a great preacher, but I'd never heard Adrian Rogers at the time. But guess what? People were getting saved left and right, but all of a sudden that man got saved. Well, I want you to know, as a, what was I, 21, 22, I got in my car that night and I rode the back roads because for the life of me, I could not understand how that man would get saved. And he got saved. And his dad came back and he baptized him. And he continued as the pastor. It's amazing. But guess what? God can save anybody. What is it that you're afraid to let go of? Listen to this. Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. How does a man benefit if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Is anything worth more than his soul? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, and we were just talking about fear, remember? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Of power and love and a sound mind. I'll take that any day. Any day I'll take that. There's one last thing we want to talk about, uh, two last things we want to talk about that are barriers to commitment. Number, this one is worry. Anybody in here ever worry? I do. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I do. I don't want to. I try not to, but I end up worrying, okay? So here's what the scripture says about it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Now, you may notice that's a little bit simpler version than what we're used to reading. But that explains it beautifully to me. He says, worry about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, give thanks to God. And so if somebody comes in my office and they say, oh, I'm worried, I say, don't worry, just pray. Are you serious? That's all you've got to offer me? Well, kind of, yeah. But it's the absolute best. Don't worry, pray. Because your father wants you to have peace, and it's a peace that passes understanding. Matthew, verse 6 and 25 says this, this is why I tell you. You ever worried about the little things? Don't be worried about the food and drink you need in order to stay alive. Or about clothes for your body. After all, isn't life worth more than food and isn't the body worth more than clothes? I, was, I had my little four-year-old granddaughter yesterday by the hand. We went to the Lost Sea yesterday. Y'all ever been there? Oh, how cool was that? I'd never seen anything like that. It's a good thing it was a big hole because I was walking in there. I bumped my head a couple times. But uh, yesterday when we got home, I had my little four-year-old by the hand, and we walked down towards the... She wanted to go on a nature walk, and we had to give her three things to find, four things to find. So she was to find a green leaf, a red leaf. I told her to find a magnolia pod. Well, she didn't know what that was, really. And then there was a, a rock that looked like an egg. That's what it was. So we went on a nature walk, and I had her by the hand, and we start looking for these things, and uh, there's the leaves and all this kind of stuff. And, and then there's, oh, we're walking over, over towards the big magnolia tree. I mean, it's huge in my yard, and there are all these little pods, you know, those things that fall off and hit the ground and look like pine cones, but they're not. They might have some red berries in them and stuff like that. But anyway, I said, uh, while we were walking up under there, this tree is home to several red-headed woodpeckers. And I said, we call her Roro. Her name's Monroe, but we call her Roro. I said, Roro, have you ever seen a red-headed woodpecker? She said, what's that? I said, that's a bird that has a red head and he has a long beak and he gets on that tree and he pecks until he finds something to eat. Is he looking for jelly? I said, no, he's looking for bugs. She said, well, how about that? Four years old. That's kind of the same attitude that we should take toward the things we worry about, isn't it? God's got it all under control. God's got, God's got us in the palm of his hand. And we hear somebody say, well, you should be worried about that or you should be worried about the other. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, how about that? God's got it. And he's got you. So worry, Matthew 6, 34, with this last verse, we'll move on to the next one. So don't worry about tomorrow because it has, it has enough worries of its own, right? The last one is doubt. Here we go. I want to believe, but my faith is too small. How much faith do we have to have? Don't answer. You'll steal my thunder. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 says this. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a jet airplane, that's what mine says. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. If you have faith like a um, watermelon, no. 
Do you have faith like a mustard seed? You know how tiny a mustard seed is? Tiny, tiny, tiny. I've got two of them in my office, and they're in a bottle. You know how big the bottle is? The bottle's not that big. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. That's all the faith we need. God's made it so easy for us. Listen to this big faith here, though. And this actually is, I guess, maybe mustard seed faith. And all of us can see ourselves in this story. Mark 9, 20 says this. And they brought the boy to him. Father came to Jesus and said, I need you to heal my son. They brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, uh, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. I love this. You know what's coming. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Wow. You know, we don't have to have a tremendous amount of faith. Just a tiny Mustard seed sized faith that we place in Christ. So let me ask you a question today. Are you saved? Do you know that you know that you know that when you die here, you'll wake up in heaven? I had another client once that um, she had... Um, See if I can say this right. Geoblastoma. That's a terminal cancer. Very aggressive. Very severe. And I was talking to her one day and I said, do you know that you know? She said, I'm fine. <laughs> Don't worry about me. When I close my eyes here, I'm going to wake up in heaven. There is no doubt, no doubt. And there's no doubt for me. I don't know about you. I don't want you to walk around through this life, though, not having that doubt and that fear and that worry and all that kind of stuff we talked about. What I want you to do is to be secure in your walk with Christ. Not because you've done anything. There's nothing you can do to get there except believe. It's just that simple. So here's the dilemma. And I may have, have shown you this before. All right, but, but we've got, um, we got the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? Absolutely. All right, so what we've earned and deserved because we're sinners, and we all are, is death. And that's separation. Separation from God. And that means hell. But, best word in the whole Bible, but the gift of God is eternal life. God wants to give us a gift. It's that gift of eternal life. How do I get it? Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. All right, now here's the deal. Scotty, what's your son's name in the red shirt? Dalton. Dalton, come here just, just a minute. Can you help me? Thank you. Y'all give Dalton a hand while he comes on up here. All right. Now, Dalton's going to be my sermon illustration today, okay? You ready? No? <laughs> I promise not to hurt you, okay? All right. He's used to being sermon He is. He's used to it. All right. So here's the deal. Dalton, here's my wallet, okay? And I want to give you my wallet, okay? Say, yes, sir. Yes. I want to give you my wallet. All right. Is it your wallet? No. Why? I want to give it to you. 
When has it become your wallet? Oh, now it's your wallet. Actually, wait, 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 we're not finished. There's no money in that wallet. Well, I hope I'm not lying. Oh, there's a dollar. There you go. Thank you, buddy. Hey, um, look at this. I need to save me one because I'm out of gas. Um, let's say this is salvation. Okay. I want to give you salvation. Is it yours? No. When does it become yours? When I give it to him, that's what a lot of people say. Well, I gave you this. When does it become yours? When I give it. No, reach out and get it. Now it's yours. All right. Now here's the deal. Thank you so much. You're such, I want you to stay right here with me, though. Okay, Dalton. This is such a simple illustration. God wants to give us the free gift. Doesn't cost us a thing of eternal life. Is salvation. I want to, he says, I want to give it to you. We know it's there. We stare at it. And we think it becomes ours simply because he wants to give it to us. But that is so untrue. We have to believe and reach out and take it for ourselves. It's that simple. Thank you, Dalton. You can sit down now. Thank you, buddy. Give, nope, that's yours. Hey, come here just a second. It's the beauty of having twins. Give your brother one, okay? <laughs> That's what it's all about. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants to give you his free gift of eternal life. We think we can earn it. We think we can do something about it. All we have to do is reach out and take it. When we reach out and take it, it's because we're convicted by holy God of the sin in our lives. We ask forgiveness, repent, and go the other direction. There's nothing else we can do. It's just that simple. But there are people all over the place who don't understand that. They think just by being a good person, I can get there. By being a member of this church, I can get there. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by being a deacon. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's all that's going to get you there. He didn't say you got to be at church every time the doors are open. He didn't say you had to little, help little old ladies across the street and little old men across the street, although I would appreciate it. All we have to do is believe and receive. Would you pray with me? Father, I know that you made it so simple that we almost can't understand it. It's so simple. Lord, remind us that you said that all we have to do is believe and receive. And Lord, I may say, well, I don't have enough humility. I'm too proud. And you said, no, but by me. Well, I'm not clean enough. I'm, I'm too guilty. No, but by me. I'm afraid. It's just by me. But I'm worried. No, it's by me. But I doubt. No, it's by me. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be heavy in this place this morning. That somebody who has never acknowledged you as Lord and Savior would come to that point in their lives that they could do that. Doesn't matter if we hold a position. Doesn't matter if we're 10 or 12 or 93. The truth is, Lord, you want us. And it's just that simple. As we stand together now, folks, I'm going to ask you to consider your relationship with Christ. Where do you stand? What if you walked out of this place today and you died right in there in the parking lot? Would you go to heaven? Scotty's down here to receive you. If you need to make a decision today, this altar is open as well. I would encourage you to be honest before God this morning. As we sing, won't you come? Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.